Welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Mike Smith. Today's message, which I'm preaching, I'm calling it Living in the Fullness of Our Inheritance. So if you're taking notes, that's the title. Living in the Fullness of Our Inheritance. And the verse I want to turn to, which, which for me is probably at the moment my very favorite verse. Um, it, to me, it is just probably the foundation verse when it comes to our our identity in Christ, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans 8 verse 29, for God, this is the New Living Translation, for God knew his people in advance. That's us. Before he created the heavens and the earth, he knew us and he chose us. We've been chosen and he chose them to become like his son. Wow. So that his son would be the firstborn, the first family member among many brothers and sisters, which would be us. We are part of a family called God's family. We've been born again into God's family. You were however many years it was, born into this natural world because your mother gave birth to you, natural birth. But the time that you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, got, you received your second birth and you got birthed into God's family. Jesus was the first member of this family, according to, the, to that scripture, and we have become like him because we have been justified and we've been regenerated. So we are now part of this incredible family. That is God's eternal plan. God's eternal plan was that he wanted a family who would live with him forever and ever and ever. God is eternal. That is why we have eternal life. We live with him forever and ever and ever. That revelation is the revelation that empowers me unbelievably. Last week, I was walking through the city. I think it might have been down Burke Street or somewhere. I was walking along, and I saw there was a group of, you might have seen them, um, Muslim evangelists. They've got this big table up, and they had this sign, uh, what is the meaning of life? And I walked past, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And I went off, and I had a yum cha lunch. And coming back, I said to Julie, I said, I've just got to go in there. I said, just, I'll be two, just give me two minutes, two minutes. I went in there and they had to sign, what is the meaning of life? And I walked up and I said, I want to tell you what the meaning of life is. The meaning of life is to become part of God's family. A discussion then emerged. <laughs> One hour later, I had a lonely walk home. <laughs> it, it took quite a while. It's... And then a couple of days ago, I was walking along South Bank Boulevard to see a homeless person um, who I'd seen, and I, I've given him some food and stuff, and I was going to have a chat to him. It was about a, about a kilometre walk for me, and I got there, and he wasn't there, and I thought, oh, he wasn't, I thought, what a nuisance, I've walked all this way, and he's not there. I thought, and I thought in my head, God, there's got to be a reason for this, and I turned around, then I saw the, the Jehovah's Witness stand, and there were three of the Jehovah's Witness elders sort of standing together talking, and I thought, I can't resist this one, so... That took up another hour of my day. <laughs> it's um, incredible. Sons, part of the family, we are sons. And last week, I've got to say, Justin preached an extremely good message. I, I thought it was just amazing. Where he made this comment, and he touched on, on it again today. I think the words that Justin used was, when we get born again, we become sons. It's an automatic thing. We become a son. We receive Christ, we get born in the family, we automatically become a son. 
But then, but then Justin talked about, but we can sort of get an upgrade, I think we'd use, and an upgrade, and we can become a friend. You know, um, if you obey my, my commands, you will be my friend. And Justin was saying that whilst it's an automatic process to become a son, when it comes to upgrades, a lot of it's got to do with our choice. God wants us to be friends, there's no doubt about it. God wants us. God wants us to go as far as we can possibly go, but he gives us free will and we have a choice. And so I want to continue this, this theme this morning. And um, basically, uh, Justin talked about the upgrade of friendship. I'm talking about the upgrade of living in the fullness of God's, of living in the fullness of our inheritance. And I want to talk for the rest of this message from the Old Testament, God's dealing with his Old Testament family, Israel, because there are some radical things to be seen. And I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if not, I've got this PowerPoint up, to Exodus chapter 3 and verses 7 and 8. And Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, this is, this is Israel at this point uh, in captivity in Egypt, in bondage, in the kingdom of darkness, in bondage. The Lord said... I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land. I'm going to bring them out of Egypt into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey. Praise God. This has always been God's plan. This was God's plan to bring Israel out of slavery into family. I am no longer a slave to fear. I'm now a son. This, this Old Testament picture shows us God's heart to get people out of the kingdom of darkness where we've been slaves, to be born again into this new place. Um, th th this is what, what God, God wants to, this is what God wants to do. It is a picture of our salvation. But then God also, he doesn't want to just see us saved and just sort of hanging around in the wilderness. God, God's plan was to see his people living in, a, in the promised land. He brought them out of a dark place. He didn't want them just walking around in circles. He wanted to bring them to a place of blessing. This was called the promised land. God took his people from, and he had an intention of taking them to. And that has always been God's intention for us. God, takes, God, God saves us. He takes us from. But he doesn't just leave us stranded. He says, yes, but I'm going to take you to this place. And in this case, it was, it was the promised land. God didn't want them in Egypt or the wilderness, but the promised land. So what does the promised land speak to us of? The Bible says it's a place flowing with milk and honey. It was a place where there was fullness of blessing. He wanted them there. A place of fullness of blessing. It was a place where they were to be overcomers in every situation. Where there were strongholds. They were destined to overcome them. Where there were problems, they were destined to overcome. Where there were giants, they were destined to overcome them. It was a place where his people walked in victory and victorious, in a place of blessing. It was a place where all the promises were received. 
Praise God for that thing that I heard somebody say that, that you said this morning, Tash. The time will come when, <laughs> radical comment, I thought, great faith thing, where this place will be known as a place where no one is sick. Do you? <laughs> that is God's plan. Obtaining promises. It, it was a place where people were living lives which glorified God. It was a high place in God. It was the fact that they weren't just saved and walking around just kind of like whatever, in the wilderness, stumbling around. No, 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 I'm saved and I'm living victoriously. You know, this, the, the, the promised land is the place of consecrated, victorious living being sold out for God. It's sons who say, I choose this type of lifestyle. I want to live in the promised land. I want to live in the place where God's best is. Now, that was God's intention for his people. The, um, but in reality, we are totally aware that whilst that was God's intention and how God empowered them to live that way, Many of, many, of Israel's fam, many of his family didn't experience that type of lifestyle. They came from, but they never went to. They came out, but they never pushed ahead to as far as God wanted them to be. Um, you know, the book of Ephesians is the New Testament counterpart to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua was all about possessing the land. Ephesians tells us that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's the promised land. It tells us that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Ephesians 3.20. That's the promised land. This is a zone for us to get into. Now, we can see the issues in Numbers chapter 13, let me just um, look at a couple of scriptures here from uh, Numbers chapter 13. The stories, you know this, but God sent out spies into the land. Hey, you guys, go, th there's the promised land over there. Go in there, have a look, come back and tell the rest of the people what this promised land is actually like. They came back. And in Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 to 28, this is the report. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. And they had these great big things of grapes on their back. It was a fruitful place. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but... But, 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 but the people living there in our land that you've told us we can have are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. They saw the giants. They saw enemies. They saw blessing. Oh my goodness, God, the thing that you've, the inheritance you've given us is absolutely amazing. But there's problems there. There's an enemy in there. And so we, we now see attitudes that come. The attitude of Caleb. Caleb's attitude in Numbers chapter 13. He was one of the 12. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. This is Caleb's attitude. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Choice. He saw the facts, but he knew what God had told him. 
And he said, I can't wait. Let's go and get it. Caleb's attitude. But the other's attitude. Numbers 13, verse 31 to 33. But the other men who had explored the land with Caleb and Joshua, uh, with him, disagreed. Differing opinion. We can't go up against them. Mind you, God had already told them that they had the victory. God had already said, this is yours. But now they're saying, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land amongst the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, like descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Here we see just just something that is just so um, visual. It 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 just shows so much. The fact that fear and perceived weakness, fear and perceived weakness kept them out of the place where God wanted them to be. God had destined them to be there. God had called them to be there. He'd empowered them, but it was fear and their perceived weakness, and they made a choice. We aren't going. Um, Choice. Fast track 40 years. They all died in the wilderness. They were sons. They were family, but they never, ever stepped into what God had for them. They'll call the old generation, they died. There's now Joshua and Caleb left with the new generation, all of their, their children. God now speaks to, to Joshua, speaks very, very powerfully. And I believe these words of encouragement are words that we can absolutely get inspired by. Let's have a look. Joshua chapter 1 and verses 2 to 3 and then verses 5 to 6. So it says, 40 years later, the new group are here. They're looking out at the land which God has given them. And now God speaks And this is what what God says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you, Joshua, and all these people. God's plan is for his whole family to move into this place of victory, to move into a place of being sold out for him, this place of, of blessing. You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. There's a massive inheritance. It's all yours. I'm going to give it to you. It's yours where you set your foot. As I promised, as I promised Moses, be strong and... Hang on. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Um, This is incredible words of encouragement. But God now gives them two instructions. Two massive instructions, which I think are instructions for us as well. Do you know, we have got, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been, God has told us that the land out there for us is just wonderful, that it is ours. But I believe that these two instructions that God gives to Joshua, I would say they are prerequisites for living in the fullness of God. 
prerequisites. In other words, if we don't have them, it's going to be hard. If we don't have them, it's going to be hard to get the upgrade of just becoming the son that is just living in the fullness of everything. We need these two things. They needed them, and we do. I will, however, say there's not just two. These are the two that God particularly said to his family back then. There's probably a whole lot of things that are important, but I just want to, in the remaining time that I've got, talk about these particular two. And the first one, God says to the people who are about to enter into this new faith venture, he says, you've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous. You've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous. Three times, God says in that one chapter, those verses, three times he says, you've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous. And at the end of the chapter, the people of Israel come back again to Joshua and says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. We see this four times. It's not a small thing. It's a big thing. It is huge to be strong and courageous. Why is it so important? Well, the reason is, whilst God said to Israel, the promised land is a land flowing with milk and honey, the reality is it was full of enemies. The blessings that we have, there are enemies that are also there. It wasn't just a, a, an Old Testament thing. It's a New Testament thing. You look at, if you look at Ephesians chapter 1 to 3 by Paul, first three chapters, Paul talks about all the blessings that we have in Christ. But then you get to chapter 6, and he says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, principalities and powers and principalities and powers. And then he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the fact is, this is a reality. The, fact that the reality is that whilst it's out there, there is, there, is, there, is, there is faith battles that need to happen. And the fact was, Joshua and the people knew that whilst it was a land flowing with milk and honey, they knew that the enemies that they faced were actually quite strong. The first enemy they, they faced was the, the stronghold of Jericho. And can I tell you that strongholds have got a stronghold? That's what strongholds are. Strongholds have a stronghold. And the first thing that, that Joshua and the, the Israelites said, they had to pull down the strongholds. To get their inheritance, there were strongholds that had to be pulled down. Now, we know that God did it, but they still had to go out there and do the faith walk. You know, after the strongholds, we know that they had their first their loss at Ai, when they were, where a couple of them were overcome by temptation. How many of you know temptations can be very, very strong? They can be very intimidating. These are enemies that we face. Then they came against deception and they, they got deceived and then they saw giants in the land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a wonderful inheritance, but they were aware that there are things we've got to pull down along the way. But God's saying to them, yes, but I've empowered you to do it. You are totally empowered to defeat these enemies. You are totally empowered. You know, they had, and this is such a big one, they also faced the thing of delay. Delay. You know, the Bible says, very interesting verse, it says that, uh, it says that God would send hornets there to drive out the enemy, but it wouldn't happen in the first year. It took time. Delay can be such a massive discouragement. And so what am I saying? 
We face strongholds. We face enemies. We face giants, problems, these things. This is a, I'm not being a negative preacher. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm being totally positive. We've been empowered to defeat them. But God says four times you've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous. Because if the fact was those guys who died in the wilderness didn't have strength. They felt completely weak and they were fearful. And they made the choice. As a result, I'm not doing it. So it's, it's pretty full on. And these are the things that we also face. And how many people have we seen who back away? Backing away, withdrawing, a sense of weakness and, in, and inadequacy, a sense of being a victim, a sense of discouragement, giving up, feeling overwhelmed because there is a fight that they were actually destined to win. Strong and courageous. And so God says to us, be strong and courageous. Then uh, immediately we come to mind, well, I don't feel strong and I don't feel courageous. What do I do about it? How do I do it? It all comes down to his presence. God's solution, whenever there was a fearful person who became a faith hero, God's word then was, I am with you. That's enough. I'm with you. That's enough. You want to know how to, get, how to get strength and courage? You want to know how to get it? The key was given to us last week in, in Justin's message, so I'm only just going to just simply throw it out. But um, when Moses was faced with his massive call and the massive task of leading a whole nation, he made a point of going out and building himself, setting up a tent, which he called the tent of meeting. He withdrew from the crowds, got into that tent of meeting, and he did business with God. Let me just show you one verse, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. This, I believe, is the key and the source for getting strength and courage. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses, would speak. God spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him the guy who led them all into the promised land, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. He hung there. He stayed there in that, in that tent of meeting. Um, the tent of meeting, coming before God. What would we call it? The secret place. Jesus says, go to the secret place. Having a quiet time. If we can go into that secret place and recognize that we are with God, it is a place of exchange. That secret place, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Another version which could easily be adapted is those who wait upon the Lord shall exchange their strength. We come in that place, we can go in there feeling beaten up and we can come out feeling victorious. We can go in there with no faith at all and just by being there, our faith rises. It is a supernatural place of transformation. It is where courage comes. How many times have we been faced with issues that, just, that are just coming down upon us? I know I have many times. And you come before God, and by the time you sort of walk out of the secret place, it's kind of like, I'm an overcomer. <laughs> Why was I feeling so beaten up before? I've, I know it's there. It's a God thing. It is a supernatural thing. It is, it is a powerful thing. That the secret place huh, is, such a, it is such a supernatural place. I want to just share a story with you. It's a story which I'm, it's something I'm living. It's, it's, it's an ongoing story for me. A few months ago, I was seeking God 
And I was just saying, God, I just need someone who I can connect with. Someone who I can just have a relationship with, connect with, so I can be a witness. And I was just praying about this. Because I was sort of going through the list and I thought, ah, I don't have any non-Christian friends now. I just needed someone who I could, (laughs) that's how I am. Anyway, God put a, a face right in my face. I saw a face. And I looked at this face as I was praying. You could say it was in my imagination, but God works that way. And I thought, I know that face. That is a gentleman who is a homeless man who has got a lot, who's got issues, and I know exactly where he is. So it was so real, I got in my car and I drove. And sure enough, he was there. Um, I walked up to him very, very nervously because I didn't know what to say or what to do. I walked up. And as I walked up, I felt the Holy Spirit say, buy him a cup of coffee. So I walked up and I said, hey, can I buy you a cup, cup of coffee? And it's very cold. And he said, yeah, it's bleep, 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 bleep cold. <laughs> I, said, I said, how do you have it? He says, well, white, white with two sugars. Anyway, bought him a cup of coffee. Cut along so short. I saw him the next day and bought him another, another coffee. And um, I was then, then I was bold at one stage and I invited him to come down. I said, I'll pick you up and I'll take you to church where I was preaching down on the other side of Melbourne. And he said, yeah. And I got there and he wasn't there. I thought, yeah, well, that, that's just... These, these disappointments come when you do become a witness. You know, people can let you down. Anyway, but the relationship's been, been ongoing. And so a couple of weeks ago, I, I came up to him and I said, Hey, um, can I, I'd love to talk to you about, about God. Could I buy you a cup of coffee? And he said, he said, yeah, yeah, sure. He said, but I'm paying. This is a homeless guy. I said, no, no, I'm paying. No, no, I insist I'm paying. So we went there and he buys me a cup of coffee and I saw him a couple of days yesterday or the day before and I said, hey, I'm preaching down at my church at Dingley. Um, would you like to come with me? And he said, I'll be honest with you, no. I thought, I thought, fine. Relation. I said, I said, well, I'll tell you what, next week we'll have coffee and it's my turn to buy. And he said, no, I insist I'm buying you coffee. <laughs> What an incredible story. But I find that God reveals things in the secret place. Anyway, certainly that's where we get, 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 get strength and courage from. Look, let me just finish by talking about the second instruction. The second instruction from God. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 to 8. Let's just have a look at this. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Let me just paraphrase that for you. What he's basically saying is, Be hearers of the word and be doers of the word. If we become hearers, if we know God's word and we do it, the Bible tells us that this is the recipe for success. He says it to to Joshua, then you will be prosperous and successful. Um, Psalm 1, the Psalm of David, David said that as we meditate on the Lord day and night, we should be like a tree planted by rivers and waters. There is power there. And Jesus, well, this is, we, we, we need to look at this one. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 25. Matthew 7, verses 24 to 25. And it says, this is Jesus speaking, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and and puts them into practice 
is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, storms came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it didn't fall because it had the fa- its foundation on the rock. These are the two things that God said to Joshua. You've got to be strong. You've got to be courageous. And as I said, we sometimes don't possess those qualities, but God will give them to us as we seek him. But then he says, and you need to meditate on my word, but not just read it, but actually put it into practice. It's a supernatural book. The Bible is a supernatural book. If you read it as a normal book, you'll probably get bored after a while. But it's a supernatural book. The other day I was reading the Sermon on the Mount, and I was doing a sort of a Bible thingo, you know, from day to day, and I thought, oh, I don't want to read the Sermon on the Mount. I've read it that many times, and I know exactly what's in there. I don't want to read it. That was my attitude. I'd forgotten it was a supernatural book, and it talks. So on the hundredth time that I'm reading the Sermon on the Mount, I go, oh my goodness, this is the most revelation I've had all year. <laughs> it was like boom, 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 boom. God booms through his scriptures. And according to God's word, God's word tells us who we are. God's word tells us who our identity is. If you want to know who you are, the word of God tells you. God's word tells you that you are a giant killer, not a grasshopper. God's word tells you from Scripture after Scripture, you are a giant killer. You are an overcomer. You are not this defeated person. And so, how would I put it? When you see people who are just, I'm a defeated person, I'm a victim, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm thinking, there is a lack of meditation on the word and putting it into practice. Because those people who meditate on the word and just let God's word transform them, do not be conformed to this world. This world will tell you that you're no good, you're a failure, you're this, you're this, you're this. Do not be conformed, but be, but be transformed, metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. You will be, your mind will be renewed as you get God's perspective in and it drives the world's perspective out. The world will tell you you are a grasshopper and that you cannot overcome anything, but God's word, when it gets in, you start to think, hey, that was a lie and I'm not believing it anymore. I'm going to believe what God says about me, and it's all found in his word. And so we've got to, I think at times, we've got to start, we've got to stop telling God about how overcome we are with all of our problems. And how big our problems are. We've got to start telling our problems how big our God is. Start telling your problem how big your God is. Tell your sickness, you can't stay in my body because Jesus has healed me by his stripes. I am healed. I have authority in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this to me. I take authority over you. Yeah. God's word tells us how to live. Um, Psalm 105 and verse, Psalm 119, uh, big chapter, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and light for my path. God's word will show you how to live in the promised land. It will show you how to live in, live in the promised land. And it'll show you who you are, your identity in the, in, 
in the promised land. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It also builds faith. Praise God. Could I have the singers and the musicians come up to the stage? Come forth. As I said, there are so many, so many principles, so many instructions. Justin spoke on, spoke on the massive one, the biggie, about love. Loving God, loving people. Huge. I've just simply presented the two that God gave to his family in the Old Testament. Be strong and courageous and meditate and obey God's word. They are also huge. They are huge. The difference it can make in our lives. If we can change from I'm a grasshopper to I'm a giant killer. Wow. This is why God puts such value on them. Praise God. I just want to finish by reading a from my prophecy book. I've got a, some words here that God has spoken, which I've written down. I actually got this. I got this. I heard this, and I took it for myself. Please listen to this. This could be a, a word for you. When the enemy wants to disrupt your destiny, he does it with discouragement. He wants to take your courage away so that you will receive. I can't read that. Oh, so that you will, okay. So that you will receive the promise of God, but not have the confidence to act upon it. So that you will believe the promise, but you won't have the confidence to act upon it. Because you can stand on this side of the Jordan River for 40 years and look at the land God gave you and not have the faith to wade into the waters and you only see it from a distance. I don't want to be the person who has dreams that I never pursued or I see the things and I've not stepped into it. Can you sing that song? That one that we sang earlier? I thought that was just such a completely relevant song about a new day.